Hi, welcome to the Strong as a Mama podcast. I'm your host, Mary Hansen, and I'm so happy that you've found this podcast. My hope and my prayer is that you are going to leave here feeling supported and seen and heard and validated and realizing how strong you really are as a mama and as a person. And today's episode is going to be me sharing my story and what led me here to to being passionate about talking about this subject and about um, why I decided to even do this podcast. So um, I am a mom of two little girls. My oldest, Ivy, is three, almost four. She turns four in January. And then my second, Fawn, just turned two. And I adore them so much. I love being their mom. There's nothing like being a mom. And they just fill my heart up so much. Um, I always, uh, growing from the time I was little, I always pictured myself growing up and, and just having a house full of kids. I loved kids. I loved to babysit. I loved my nieces and nephews. I, you know, became an aunt at a pretty early age and just loved to hold babies, everything. And I just really anticipated that that transition to motherhood was going to be so natural for me and that it would just be like, feel like what I was made to do. And I really wouldn't say that that was the case for me. Um, and so I'm going to back up a little bit. My my first experience with mental health struggles and specifically depression, it was not when I experienced postpartum depression, but it was before that. Um, I was married previously. I got married when I was 21, and I just lacked a lot of life experience. I was really naive in a lot of ways, and I ended up in a very unhealthy, very toxic marriage, and I was extremely depressed and overwhelmed and hopeless, honestly. And I just, I felt like, how on earth did I end up in this situation? This is the furthest thing from what I dreamed of for my life, and how could this have happened? I felt completely forgotten by God. I felt so alone and trapped and I became suicidal. I um, dealt with suicidal thoughts and ideation very regularly. It almost became like a, a coping mechanism for me actually because when I would just feel so hopeless and so heartbroken and all of those things, the thing that, that kind of comforted me was thinking, well, I could just end this all. And so I really uh, was in a very dark place. And really the thing that kept me from acting on those thoughts and even even the plan that I had made was my parents and just thinking of what that would do to them. I have wonderful, wonderful parents who I love dearly, and I just could not bear to do that to them. And so that's that's really the thing that kept me here for a while. I was in that first marriage for three and a half years. 
And I really didn't get any help. I felt a lot of shame and embarrassment for the fact that there was even, you know, issues in my marriage. And I just, I didn't talk to anyone about what was going on in my relationship. I kept that completely to myself. And I just, I really just kept thinking that if I could do better, then things would get better. And so I would just try to be more and more selfless, do more and more, give more and more, um, be more and more of what he wanted me to be, those kinds of things. Um, until I did finally get better. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to actually tell as many details about this part, but um, it probably, you know, it sets up the stage for the rest of the story. So hopefully you don't mind. But the thing that actually saved me was makeup. Um, some of you who who have followed me or know who I am, know that I'm a makeup artist. And I stumbled into the love of makeup at the end of 2014 when I happened upon my first ever makeup tutorial on YouTube and it changed my life. I was hooked. I fell in love with makeup artistry and it just gave me something in my life that gave me joy and felt like my thing, you know? And, um, I just couldn't get enough. I just would escape into makeup land and watching these makeup tutorials. And I just started practicing and practicing makeup on myself and then um, started practicing on friends. And pretty soon my friends and even friends of friends were asking if they could hire me for their wedding makeup and things like that. And it just, I started to realize, oh, I think, I think that I could really do this. And I didn't even know that it could be a full-time job. Um, but I learned pretty quickly, like, no, this is an actual career. And so that's what I did for about six and a half years. And it really turned things around for me. It um, it gave me something to work on for myself. And it gave me a sense of purpose. And it was just so different to, you know, be interacting with all these people, with people who I was doing their makeup or, you know, their families who were there. And they were just so kind to me and so appreciative of me. And the contrast of that versus how I was feeling at home, um, was, it taught me a lot. And I started to want more for my life and I wanted to succeed more in makeup. And, and that just drove me to self you know, improving myself and growing as a person and just working on myself in, in all aspects. And the thing is, when you do that, you get more emotionally healthy. And I did. And I started to realize that um, the relationship I was in was very unhealthy. And after a very long personal journey, um, you know, not a quick decision by any means, but I did decide that for me, the right thing to do was to leave that marriage. And I did. And for me, that's been a really big blessing. And I, I just was able to honestly start over and rewrite my life, rewrite, you know, what I wanted out of life. I got really clear on what I wanted, who I wanted to be, all of that. And about a year later, I met Austin, my now husband, and he is the greatest joy and blessing in my life. I really, really, truly believe that God was saving like one of the best men on earth for me. And I believe that 
that God knew that I needed to go through some things to learn and grow personally, to be ready to have such a wonderful relationship that I do now with Austin. So I'm so, so grateful for him. And uh, before I met him, I got really clear, like, you know, if I get married again, it's going to be to somebody who wants kids and is ready for kids, because that's definitely how I was feeling. And so he was, uh, we were totally on the same page with that. So we got married and uh, almost right away, it was like a month later, we got pregnant with Ivy and we were so excited. And um, I I did have kind of some some concerns about my mental health because I was aware of, you know, that some women struggle mentally after having a baby. And I thought, you know, where I've struggled in the past, um, am I like predisposed to that or, or what, you know, um, but I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily had postpartum depression with her. Um, but I will say that after we had her that, that first month was like, holy cow. Uh, it was kind of mind blowing, like how much work it is to take care of a baby and how sleep deprived you can be. And, how helpless you can feel when they're crying and crying and you've done everything and you can't seem to, you know, get them to stop crying and and all of that. So that first month at any at any moment, I definitely felt kind of, you know, overwhelmed and possibly depressed. Um, I remember actually thinking like, wait a second, uh, how, okay, this has to get better. It has to get better or else no one would have a second child on purpose. And I'm like, okay, wait, there's people I know, they have more kids, they want them, they're excited. Okay, this has to get better. And it did. It really, really did. I'd say that first month was by far the hardest. And then it just slowly started to get better and better. And, you know, we got into a groove of things. And she was such a good baby, such a fun baby. And I was loving it. I was loving motherhood. And I really just kind of felt like the same person that I was before having her, but just now with a cute little baby who came with me everywhere. Um, And it was cute and it was fun. It was still a lot of work, of course. And like, I'm not trying to minimize that at all, but I definitely, I still felt like myself a hundred percent. But just now with this, this adorable little bestie who I got to you know, bring with me everywhere and dress in cute clothes and the whole thing. And so we, she turned one and we were like, yes, let's have another one. Let's do this. This is a piece of cake. Um, and so again, we pretty quickly were able to get pregnant again and we were really excited and, um, we had fun and, uh, my labor and delivery with her was like bliss. I ended up, um, choosing to get induced and have an epidural with her. And it was like the most pain-free, euphoric, easy birth ever. Um, until a couple days later, I did um, get this really high fever and start to feel really sick. And I had to go to the emergency room with retained placenta. Um, so that was scary. That was 
a not a very fun couple of days. It was a miserable night. I spent the night away from my baby at the emergency room. Um, with, and it was the night that my milk came in and there was like nothing that I could do. Anyway, it was not a fun night, but like we got through that. I did have to have a, a DNC um, to get that taken care of. But once that was behind us, we were like, okay, we're good. And it's interesting because I, um, a little difference with Ivy and Fawn's births. Um, Ivy's birth was a little more traumatic and stressful, actually a lot more traumatic and stressful. But um, like I'd always heard my whole life people talking about like that first second that you saw that you see your baby or that first second that you hold your baby is just going to change your life. And you're going to just be like, I didn't even know that a love like this existed and that's just kind of what I always expected and luckily one of my close friends she just kind of in passing almost mentioned to me she's like just so you know you know if you don't feel like that feeling that people talk about if you don't feel it right away like that's okay it doesn't always happen like that like that love will come um you know you might just be really tired from labor or whatever and so don't put that pressure on yourself and I'm grateful that she mentioned that because um, I was like so exhausted and um, it was so special meeting her and stuff. But I'd say that like the love I felt for her that first moment seeing her versus even just like a few days later, it just grew so much, um, you know, after just a, a few days. But with Fawn, um, it was for some reason, it was just definitely that like, and I don't know if it was that I already knew how much I loved my first baby. And so I knew I was going to love my second baby that much or something. But the second I saw her, I was just in love with her. Oh my goodness, just this precious little doll. And it's so crazy. And, and if you have more than one child, you'll understand like you love them both so much and completely equally, but also like uniquely. And it's just so crazy. So yeah, we were smitten with her and, um, the first two weeks were honestly just pretty blissful. Everything was going smooth. Um, she honestly was just sleeping a lot those first couple weeks. Um, and I just felt good. And I was like, you know what? I think we're in the clear again. I think that I'm doing good. And then I remember it was about two weeks out. This one day, this just dark cloud came over me. And I couldn't shake it. And I just felt really sad. And I just, you know, I, I remember actually the day that it happened and I thought like, oh, well, what's going on? You know, maybe I just need to get out of the house. And, and she was a November baby. So we were getting into winter, you know, and I wasn't really leaving the house much. But I was like, we'll just go for a drive. So I, you know, put them both in the car and we we went for a little drive and I was like, surely that'll make me feel better just to see the outside world. Um, and we came back and I just remember I felt like even worse and I just couldn't shake this dark cloud. And I kept thinking, you know, and and the thing is, like going into having a second child, I was always thinking, you know, no matter how hard it is. I know that it gets better since I had a first like I can I'll always be able to remind myself this is temporary this gets better and so I would but when you actually are depressed and have a hormonal imbalance going on 
that doesn't necessarily do much for you to remind yourself that it's temporary. Um, I just felt so sad. And I, but I just kept thinking, you know, this is going to get better. This is going to get better. Like, I know that with Ivy, the first month was so hard. So let's give it a couple weeks. And, and of course I, I was open with Austin about all of this and how I was feeling. And, and he was right there with me taking care of the kids and everything and, you know, just going through it with me. Um, but yeah, a month later and still just in that dark cloud. And I, uh, at my six week appointment, I, I talked to my provider and, and, and cried there, <laughs> um, in the, in the office on the table or whatever, and just cried and cried to her and just said how I was so sad and was really, really struggling. And, um, and she was so great about it. And, and I was actually already on medication. I've been on medication for quite a few years, um, just due to, you know, past me- mental health stuff. Um, I, I didn't even mention that, uh, not depression, but anxiety I dealt with since I was a teenager. Um, and after my divorce, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and I did get on medication and it just helped me so much. And just staying on a low dose um, has just really helped me to not be on a continual roller coaster all the time. So I was already on medication and and we decided to switch up the medication to see if that would help. And um, honestly, just nothing was really helping. And, and she was saying, okay, you know, you're at six weeks, but after eight weeks, like those first couple months, those are so hard, but things are going to start to get better. And it just didn't. And I just felt so unhappy. And it was so crazy because like I was so in love with both of my little girls, so in love with them, but just so unhappy at the same time. And um, it really was like a roller coaster because I would have moments where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm so happy. This is so good, you know, and then it would be like just in the dark cloud again so fast. And I think that we kind of joke about like the emotional roller coaster of whether it be pregnancy or postpartum or even just like our menstrual cycles or whatever. I feel like there's, it's kind of like made light of like, oh, the emotional roller coaster or whatever. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's fine to make light of it, but like this was getting really hard and really dark and scary. And I started to feel just really guilty for feeling unhappy because I know that there are so many women who would love to have a child and cannot or who have lost a child. And I cannot imagine going through that. That's not something that I've experienced. And I cannot imagine going through that. I really can't. Um, And I would just feel so guilty. I would think to myself, I have no right to be unhappy. I have two beautiful, healthy children and I need to be grateful. And I would give myself these pep talks and be like, you know what? I'm turning this around. I'm going to focus on gratitude and I'm going to focus on just being present and just all the things. And I would just try so hard to mentally pull myself out of that dark place. 
And um, I don't remember exactly how old she was. I think that she may have been like four months old, three or four months old when this happened. But there was one day in particular where I had basically a mental breakdown and I just couldn't handle it anymore. Um, And I just started hyperventilating and telling my husband, telling Austin, like, I need to die. I need to die. I can't be alive anymore. I can't do this. And I actually tried to run away. Um, he, I like grabbed the keys and was running out of the house to the car. Um, he, of course, ran after me and, and I was kind of, I was in the garage screaming at him to let me go. And he was just like, no, I'm not going to let you go. Um, and I said, I have to get away from you. I have to get away from you. And basically, he he took the keys and he let me sit in the car by myself. And Well, first he wanted to be with me and I just said, go away. So he basically stood outside of the car and watched me sit in the car by myself for a while. And I was just having like a full-blown meltdown, just sobbing. And I ended up actually calling the suicide hotline. Um, I just, I felt so completely out of my mind. And I mostly just was sobbing um, on the phone. And the person, the dispatcher on the phone, was mostly just doing breathing exercises with me to get me to calm down and calm my body down. Um, and so then I eventually did. And then Austin walked me back inside. And this day, I forgot to mention, but this day was actually the day that we were going to have Fawn's baby blessing. We were going to have it that evening in our home. And um, I think that was part of what tipped me over the edge was the stress of, you know, hosting. We were going to have a dinner and have our loved ones over and all of that. And I think that helped tip me over the edge. But Austin sent out a text to our loved ones saying the blessing is being postponed for today. And um, he was really worried, but he stayed really strong for me. And It was just like such an out-of-body experience. It was like, how is this my life? How is this happening? How have I come to this? And I felt so ashamed, um, but I just felt like I couldn't handle it. And I felt like my girls deserved better than me. I felt like they have a mom who just can't even function with just basic things, you know, basic being a mom of two little kids, little baby and a toddler. And um, I, I just was having these thoughts like they deserve to have a better mom than me. So that day, my husband, he still asked both of our parents to come over so that 
we could talk to them and tell them what happened and kind of get support and make a plan. Um, and I, so we decided that it would be best if I wasn't alone for a while. Um, it also happened around all the time of this happening that Austin got really busy at work. He has like times where work is more slow and times where it's really, really busy and it got into a crazy busy, like one of the most busy it's ever been. Um, and there's a lot of things he does at work where where he's the only one who does them and knows how to do them. And so a lot was falling on him and it was just really not great timing. And I think that also added to it. Uh, but we basically made plans for Austin's mom or, or my dad to take turns coming and being with me during the day with the kids while Austin was at work. And, um, it would have been my mom, but my mom was suffering with, with dementia. Um, and so she wasn't in a place to be able to, to support me in that way. But, um, I, we, I also started going to see a therapist. Um, and it's really interesting because I still like, I didn't consider myself having postpartum depression. Cause I remember talking to the therapist and saying like, I'm just, I'm really struggling. Like, I don't know if this classifies as postpartum depression, but I'm just, you know, and I told her about what was going on and what happened that day. And, and she just so sweet was sweetly said, you know, anytime there's, um, thoughts of wanting to hurt yourself or thoughts of not wanting to be here and that kind of thing, then, then we consider that postpartum depression. And looking back, it's like, <laughs> duh. But I just, like I still was blaming myself and I was still just thinking like oh it's just that I'm being so ungrateful or something like that so anyway I had to accept a lot of help from family and I had to really take a step back and realize that this that I was going through a crisis and that I needed to really just focus on the basics. And so I I pretty much, um, when it comes to my makeup business, I already had several clients and weddings that I had booked before Fawn was even born um, that I was going to be doing after I was off maternity leave. And I still honored all those ap appointments, but I didn't add any more to, to my plate. Um, in the way of clients, which was really hard, but it was just so clear that I needed to focus on nothing else but taking care of my kids and taking care of myself. I also got off social media pretty much entirely. Um, and that that was really important because I, the comparison game was happening too at the time. Like, I'd be having these really dark days and then I'd see these smiling, happy, vivacious, you know, accomplished moms on Instagram or whatever. And I would just think I am so pathetic and they have more kids than me and they can do all that or whatever. Um, so it was important to get off social media. I also um, just I said yes to very little aside from taking care of myself and taking care of my kids like if I was asked to you know help 
do I'm trying to think like there was a party that I was asked to help with food for and um I my first instinct was to be like yes I'll do it but then I I took a step back and I thought you know what that's going to take a lot of planning a lot of coordination it's a big event and I'm not in a place for that right now so I told the person um you know politely said no and offered a different way to help that I did feel like I had the capacity for so I did that for about six months, just was kind of in this sheer survival mode. And um, it was really, really hard. And like I mentioned earlier, it was kind of like no amount of reminding myself that this would get better or reminding myself that this was only temporary really brought me much comfort. Um, I just, I felt like I'd completely lost myself. I felt like that happy, um, go-getter, friendly um, girl who was just so happy and full of life was gone. Like she had left the building and I was just this shell of myself who was so overwhelmed with taking care of little kids. And my husband, he was so helpful. But the thing is, like, he was in the trenches with me. And I mean, he... We, we both needed help. We were both struggling. And there were certain things that only I could do. Um, my baby was exclusively breastfed and she would not take a bottle. And she ate every two hours on the dot. So I didn't have a, a chance to take breaks, really. Um, so, I mean, Austin, he would take Ivy a lot of the time, the older one. And and like we were just doing everything we could to make it work, but a lot of, you know, taking care of the little newborn, it did fall on me since um, she was exclusively breastfeeding. But um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of how things were for a while. And I just, it really, really felt like I was never gonna get myself back it just felt like this is my life forever you know I have these two kids forever who I love love so much and I wouldn't give them up for anything but I'm gone I gave myself up to have them and I guess that's my life now and I really really struggled um, it really did help to go to that therapist. She really, um, she kind of had like an expertise in helping women with postpartum. Um, and something that she said to me actually helped me a lot one day, um, getting, you know, further down along the path of my journey. She, um, she told me that she'd worked with so many moms. Mom, she said, I'd worked with like, moms of 12 kids or I've worked with moms who um, are in drug rehab so that they can go back to their kids. I've worked with like just every mom of every walk of life that you can think of. And she said, the moms who I see who struggle the most, especially postpartum, are the ones who were accomplished before they had kids who were you know, high achieving and things like that. And I mean, before I had kids, I had my whole makeup business. I'd um, 
you know, I'd, I'd accomplished some things for myself and I really had this identity in these things that I'd done. And um, I just felt like that person was gone. And she explained to me that she said, the thing that's really great is, you know, your kids are going to grow older and and one day they are going to leave. And there's a lot of moms who really struggle at that point because then they feel like they have maybe no purpose or something like that. But you have all these skills and things that that you can bring back into your life when the time is right, when the season is right, and you'll you'll kind of have the best of both worlds. And that really put things into perspective and kind of made me feel a little better. So um, the thing that really made the biggest difference, though, with helping me was going to the gym, <laughs> which I'm sure you've heard so many moms talk about this, but there's a reason. I, I've i always been someone who loves to exercise, uh, but I was really never a gym goer. I always thought like, why would I take all the time to leave my house, go somewhere else to exercise, come back when I can just exercise at my house? Um, but if you have kids and you've tried to exercise at home, you know how next to impossible it feels to actually get a good workout in because they need you every two seconds. The toddlers think you're a jung- jungle gym and want to climb all over you. And it's just like more trouble than it's worth. It feels like a lot of the time. And um, I'd never like really gotten into strength training um, I mean, I'd done like some lighter weights and stuff in in my workouts here and there, but like I was more of like a at home Pilates type of girl. Um, but this one day, and I know it sounds so silly, but I feel like it was literally inspired and meant to be. But I just got on YouTube to to watch a video while I was breastfeeding or something like that, and this video was suggested, and it was like all the a, a video about all the benefits of strength training and I watched it and I was just like oh my gosh like that's what I need in my life <laughs> and I uh, and it was very research based and things like that and I was like I really want to get into that and I just felt so compelled and just really felt like the best thing for me would be to get a gym membership at a gym that had childcare. And Fawn was about six months old now. So she was going a little bit longer in between feedings. She was like, just a little bit more happy to, you know, hang out with, um, you know, somebody else besides having to have just me hold her all the time, even though she's still to this day, at age two, wants me all the time. She's such a mama's girl, but that's okay. I love it. Um, But she was like a little bit older where I felt like I could take her to like a childcare at a gym and it wouldn't be just a complete disaster. And so I looked around at options. It turned out that the rec center that was uh, that's in my city had childcare and was like way cheaper than a lot of other gyms. I'm like, heck yes, let's do that. And so I did. And it was so amazing how it turned things around for me. I just like was a new woman so quickly after starting to go there and and it was hard to get out the door it's so hard to like get everybody dressed and fed and changed and ready and out the door and take them in and everything like it was such a hassle and it like took a huge chunk out of our day 
but it was so worth it. And I just mentally started feeling like a new woman. And I told my therapist what I was doing and she was like, you're doing one of the best things that you could do for yourself because you're getting out of the house, you're getting exercise and you're doing something for you. Like those are just the best things that you can be doing when you're struggling postpartum. So that was just huge. And I started to feel so much better. And I like finally was to a place where I was like, you know what? I think I'm, I think I'm past it. And, um, and I was just feeling so grateful. And I, I honestly got to a point where I was like, I think I might be the happiest that I've ever been in my life. Like I have my amazing husband who I cherish so much. I have two little girls who are precious and we have our home. I am just loving life. Like this is the dream. And I really went back and forth on if I wanted to share what happened next because it it doesn't, it's not postpartum depression, but I really just think it's important, honestly, to talk about hard things. I just want people going through similar things to know that they're not alone. I want people to know that there is hope, at, you know, that things do get better and and stuff like that. So um, a couple months later, a couple months of things just being honestly really good, Um, It was actually about like three months later, now that I think about it. My mom, she suffered a severe stroke and passed away three days later. And in some ways it was way unexpected and in some ways it it was expected. Um, She had struggled with dementia, as I had mentioned earlier. So she hadn't really been herself for a few years. And for a few months, she'd been just not really eating a lot, which if you know her, that's so not her. She's like, she could put food away. That lady, she loved a buffet. She loved some Golden Corral. Like she was all about not wasting food. So like she'd always clean her plate, that whole thing. But she just really stopped eating very much. And um there was an at-home nurse who would come and help care for her and stuff. Um, my dad was her caretaker, and and so it was getting to be really hard to care for her, and and so we got some some help to come in a couple times a week. Um, and the nurse said her body is trying to shut down. Um, she, you know, she's stopping eating, and she said it'll probably be a few months. Um, And something will happen like a fall or a stroke or, you know, something will happen and and that'll be what what takes her. And so I knew that, but that just doesn't seem real, especially where it was so, um, you know, no clear timeline. It just, you know, it didn't seem real. It's like, how can you really know that? Um, So. And she was really suffering. She was really confused from the dementia. She really like, and and there was a while with the dimension, dimension. There was a while with the dementia, um, where she was just kind of like in this 
ignorant bliss where she didn't know what was going on, but didn't really like know that she didn't know what was going on. And she was just happy to be there, happy all the time. And she was kind of past that where she was confused and anxious and scared and frightened and really suffering. And it was really hard to watch her suffer like that. So, so yeah, she did end up passing away. And that ended up being one of the most difficult things that I've gone through. Um, not in the way necessarily that you'd expect, because at first, and I think maybe some people who have lost a loved one might relate to this. I'm sure other people, it's been a totally different experience. But at first, like, of course, I was heartbroken. Of course, I was grieving. But I had this like overriding sense of just of feeling carried, you know, so many people around you reach out and, you know, give meals and give flowers and, and are so kind. And, and the funeral, um, was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life to be able to celebrate my mom's life in such a, you know, a special service. It was a beautiful day and it brought my family so much closer together, which was a beautiful experience. Um, and you feel so many people praying for you. And I still had like, and still to this day, I have people who reach out and ask how I'm doing in regards to my mom. But, you know, after a while, like life starts to move on and like the funeral's over and the meals stop coming and and things like that. And it, and it just kind of feels like you're expected to just move on with life. And that's when it really hit me was a little while after it all actually happened. And everybody grieves in different ways. And, you know, I would have frequent huge cries where I would just sob my eyes out, those kinds of things um, where I would like call out my mom's name and like just be, you know, that kind of thing where you're just like really in pain. And then just regularly day to day, though, I describe it like I was just kind of on low battery, like I just wasn't operating uh, fully and I just wasn't like getting a lot done around the house and things like that. And I was just getting forgetful. That was really weird. I would just forget things all the time and like just kind of do like dumb things um, like we were uh, working on putting together a guest bedroom and I totally ordered a king bed frame instead of a queen, like just things like that, like all the time. Um, and I just was really sad, you know, really down. And um, for Austin, he was so amazing. Like when um, he was actually away on a trip, he'd actually just gotten um, to Wyoming, five hours away. And I called when when I learned of my mom's stroke. And I remember I called him right away and told him what had happened and that she was, you know, going to pass away in a couple days. And he said, I'll be right there. And he just like immediately repacked his things and got back in his truck and drove back home and didn't, he like didn't stop for food or anything. He just drove right back home. And he was just so there for me and so amazing and 
after a while, though, it was starting to get really hard for him and really scary for him to watch me um, grieve in the way that I was and to be just so down and depressed. And it, it started to really scare him. And he started to feel like, and you know, and this is me speaking for him um, after he and I, you know, we've talked through these things quite a bit. Um, but he he started to feel like, am I ever going to get my wife back? And that really scared him. And honestly, I think if the roles were reversed, I would have had similar feelings. Like, how scary is that to see your spouse go through something so hard like that and wonder if they're ever going to be the same? And so I was really depressed and that would trigger him. And the way that he would react was he just was like not as warm toward me in uh, just in, in our interactions. He was just more prickly. <laughs> and it was because he was dealing with his own fear and um and and those things and when he would act that way that would trigger me and I would feel more depressed and so we were just going back and forth triggering each other in this downward spiral and I got oh my goodness it was not a fun time and I remember sobbing to my therapist saying I can deal with missing my mom like crazy for the rest of my life like, I know that she is in a better place and that I'll see her again someday. And I can deal with missing her so much. Like, I can deal with that. But what I can't deal with is feeling like I don't even know who my husband is anymore. It felt like I had lost my Prince Charming. And I really only had my experience of my first husband where things were, you know, really bad. And then I had my experience of with Austin where things were just kind of fairy tale bliss until now. And so then I was also dealing with, you know, trauma, undealt with unhealed trauma from my first marriage. And um, so, yeah, we were we were struggling for a while. It was not a fun time in our marriage at all. And Austin, he is so apologetic now. And he says that he just wishes that he'd just been there for me and just been a rock for me. But the thing is, I understand what he was going through and the fears that he was dealing with. And I was not acting like myself and it was getting worse and worse. Um, and we were just triggering each other. And um, a big part, too, for him was he's a big fixer. He wants to come in and fix things, make things better. And there was literally nothing he could do to fix it. He could not bring my mom back. And so he felt so helpless as well. So we decided to go see the therapist together. And I think we only went one or maybe two times. I want to say it was two times, but I'm actually only remembering one time. But that, for us, it turned everything around really quick because she was able to explain to us what was going on. And she was actually able to explain to Austin all that he could do to help me. She said, you can't fix this. You don't need to fix this. All you need to do is be there for Mary. Even if you just hold her hand or hold her while she cries, 
and just let her grieve and be sad and go through these feelings. And that was like a light bulb for him. And I remember in the appointment of him saying like, really? That's all? Like, I just felt so helpless, like I wasn't doing enough. And I told him like, no, what you have been doing is enough and I appreciate it so much. And so um, that just really, really turned things around. And I told Austin, I said, I promise you that I'm going to come back from this. Like, I just need to walk through the grief, but I promise that you haven't lost me. I said, I know that that's not what my mom would want. She wouldn't want me to be sad for the rest of my life. That's not what I want for my life. That's not what I want for my girl's mom. I'm going to come back from this. Just hang in there and I promise it won't like be like this forever. So things got a lot better. And then um, I remember on Valentine's Day, though, he wrote me this really, really sweet letter. And he said, Mary, I'm, I'm so sorry for the way that I've acted. And I know that you promised me that, that it, you know, you'd get better and you wouldn't stay like this, but I want you to know that you don't have to be strong for me and that I will take you any way I can have you. And I love you so much and you're the biggest blessing in my life. And that letter, oh my goodness, I cried my eyes out reading that. That meant so much to me. And things have gotten just so much better. And I honestly feel like we are so much stronger going through that. And I, I never really understood that when when couples would say that, because like I said, I just had the two polar opposites experience of the nightmare and the the dream, the dream come true. But now I've at least, you know, in this degree or whatever I've experienced going through the challenge that we worked through and came out stronger. And and the thing is, now I know that we can do that and that it's okay and that we're way stronger than, you know, going through a bump in the road. So I look at it as a blessing and I just think we need to talk about these things more. I think we need to be open and be real about these types of challenges that we all go through, whether it be um, postpartum depression, grief, you know, marriage, things like that. And um, so, yeah, I, um, I, after that, um, I just slowly have been getting better, but, um, you know, it's hard to fully heal from all of that. Going from the postpartum depression straight into grieving my mom, was a lot. Um, but I've just been, you know, slowly working on it and and getting better. And there's so much joy and so much to be grateful for. So many blessings. And then along came the Mrs. Utah pageant. <laughs> so I don't even know how long ago it was at this point, like a little over a month ago, maybe. My good friend Stacy, who I've been friends with for like nine years, we hadn't talked in a while. And we were like, well, we need to get on the phone and catch up. So we did that. And she told me how she was signed up to compete in the Mrs. Utah pageant. And she told me all about it and how it was just like, just the opportunity that it was and the reasons why she wanted to do it. And she said to me, so if you want to do it, 
alongside with me. You totally could. And I was kind of like, what? But I was like, had to admit it. It sounded really fun, which I'm not a pageant girl. I, I was in the homecoming pageant my senior year of high school, which is not a real pageant at all. But like aside from that, I was never in pageants or anything like that. Um, but it just sounded really fun. And it was very it's very service focused. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, and I um, I told her, you know what? I I gained a lot of weight after I lost my mom and I'm not in the best shape of my life like and I'm really working on being kind to my body would you think that that would be like an unhealthy environment to be in where where I'm at with that and she explained that this pageant is a lot more body inclusive than than most pageants and that you know what they're looking for with the swimsuit competition is fitness and confidence which you know you can be fit at any size and so she said, if I were you, I wouldn't let that be the only reason you not do it. I said, okay, well, I'll think about it. And it just sounded really fun. But I, you know, was feeling like, oh, I don't know. Like, I really wasn't planning on being on stage in a swimsuit and high heels. <laughs> and but then I had this thought, like, wait a second. This is something that sounds really fun that I want to do and what kind of message does that send to my body and to myself if I say no I'm not worthy of doing that I don't deserve to do that I don't have a good enough body for that and I thought you know what I'm going to send the message to myself and to my body that I am worthy and that I am deserving of an experience like this and so I signed up and the pageant is in March and um, already it has changed my life so much. Just doing this thing that's for me and learning to view myself as that, that confident woman who puts herself out there, it's been life-changing. And when I got to thinking what my platform would be for the pageant, I knew that I wanted it to be about postpartum. And I thought, okay, do I want to just focus on postpartum depression and like raising awareness of that? And as I've like narrowed in and thought more and more about it, what I really want is I want to contribute to making a world where we talk openly about these things that women go through, that we talk openly about the fact that bringing a baby into this world is a huge deal. And it usually is a very intense personal transformation for that mother. And it's not just always, you know, the cute pictures and the cute outfits and and all that. And it can be it can be a lot of things. And, you know, everybody has their own story. And I I want to give women a voice to share their stories. I want to give a place for women to listen and realize, oh, hey, like what I'm going through, this is not abnormal. And I want women to know that it gets better because it does. Currently, like, I do feel like I have myself back. And I really wondered if I ever would feel that way. So that is my goal here. And I am so glad that you listened. If you listened all the way to the end, thank you. I love you. I know that this was a long episode, but now you know. <laughs> everything about me pretty much. (laughs) 
but um, please check out the other episodes. Already, I've recorded an episode um, about postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis, one about postpartum anxiety and postpartum rage. I have more scheduled. Like We're diving into all of these things that are, I think, really, really important to talk about. Please also come and follow me on Instagram, Strong as a Mama. And I'll catch you in the next episode.